Well, the word of the Lord for us this morning is coming from the book of Exodus. If you're following along in your Bibles, we'll be reading out of chapter 12. Uh, and after some verses in Exodus 12, we're going to turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. In Exodus 12, we're going to read verses 1 through 13, and then we'll jump down to verse 24. You can also follow along on the screens behind me. Let us prepare our hearts to receive a word from God this morning. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then... They are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roasted over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it until morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And continuing on in verse 24, the Lord says, Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, What does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshipped. We'll turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We're just going to read two verses together. Verses 7 and 8. Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. This is God's word for us today. So we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Let's pray. Gracious God, we do give you thanks and praise for your word and for the wisdom contained therein. God, we ask that you would meet with us now in this space and time, that you would help us uh, to trust in you, 
and to listen for what you have for us this day. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes, that we would see our ears, that we would hear. Open our minds, that we would come to know and understand your word. And indeed, your ultimate will open our hearts, that we would feel its power. Then by your grace, I ask, O oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I could tell as I walked into HEB yesterday that, uh, that fall had arrived. Um, it wasn't just uh, the, the cool breeze and the, the fall temperatures as I walked in. It was also the sneezing uh, that I experienced. Uh, my allergies were in full swing. Uh, but, but it was more than that, actually. When I walked in, uh, and if you were there any time, I guess, in the last week, you probably saw, like, they got the whole, like, Halloween, full-blown candy display. Uh, on my next door app, someone uh, asked the question, hey, I'm new to the neighborhood, uh, I don't know how much candy to buy. Am I going to have tens of kids, hundreds of kids, thousands of kids? How many kids are, am I, am I going to have to feed candy? And, and someone replied back, well, uh, it would probably be hundreds, but when you consider uh, all of the, the junior high students that walk around with pillowcases and fill their, fill their, ba- their pillowcases with candy, it's, it's, it's a ton of candy necessary. And so uh, I could see people taking that advice at HEB, just dumping candy in. But this week, you know, whenever we think about Halloween, we, we, think, uh, we think that that's the event. But for us as Christians, really the, the next day, November the 1st, is, is the event that, that we are called to celebrate and to spend some time in recognition of. It's called All Saints Day. Uh, Halloween is Hallow's Eve, and the first is All Saints Day. And it's a chance for us to, to, to step back as Christians and and, and acknowledge the saints, and by saints I don't mean saints in, 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 a, in a Roman Catholic term, by as, as though like the church has named them as special or significant, but I, more in the biblical Pauline term, as, as Paul writes letters to churches, and he writes a letter to the church uh, of, of Philippi and says, to all the saints that gather in Philippi, right? And so uh, that means that the faithful, those that follow Christ, that devote their lives to Christ, you the saints. And so I want to take just a few moments today in this space and time for you to step back and enter into the recesses of your mind or listen to the call of your heart to name those saints that went before you, that helped to raise you in the faith, that mentored you in a life of love. It might be a relative, a grandmother, grandfather, might be a mother or father, aunt or uncle, Uh, It might be a child, it might be a neighbor or a Sunday school teacher, whoever it is, I just invite us to enter into just a a small space of quiet for you to consider the saints that have gone before and to celebrate them in your own heart and to give thanks to God for them. So would would you just pause for a moment and listen to the Lord and lift their names up? think about my granny, uh, and I think about this season of feasting that we're entering into, you know, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a runaway train of food, this is the hardest time of year to lose weight, uh, <laughs> because we're just going to have awesome meals, right, 
think about going to my granny's house uh, out in Port Acres, uh, and uh, this time of year we, we'd always uh, gather around and, and she would do shrimp and oysters. Uh, oysters are disgusting, and all of you that eat them are foul. Um, but I, I just remember walking into Granny's house, and I never knew who was going to be there. There was something potent about the waiting to see who was going to be at Granny's house. I, I knew my aunts and uncles and my cousins were going to be there. But there would, there would inevitably be a neighbor or someone from the church or someone else from the community, someone from Granny's past or Granny's present would be welcomed into that home and there would always be enough. That's the season we're entering into, right? That tender season of feasting and this, this time whenever we kind of build towards uh, Christmas and it begins now and it, and it just opens up uh, one feast after another. And, and it's a natural transition for us as a church as well because we've, we began the year uh, proclaiming that this is the year where covenant is going to be rooted, that we're going to be rooted in the grace and love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our theme verse for the year is Ephesians 3.17 that says uh, that, that, that Christ dwells in our hearts and we're rooted and grounded in love. And so we, we worked the entire year working the entire year to identify how it is that we could be rooted, how it is that we could, we could cultivate a life of faith, that, that we could grow in our discipleship. And then ultimately over the, these, last, uh, these last 10 weeks, we've been focusing on the fruit of the Spirit, that you and I have the Spirit of God dwelling within us as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that those nine fruit of the Spirit are in us. And, and as we go out into the world and we bear those, th- those fruit, there's an inevitably going to be a harvest of righteousness. That through the fruit at work in you, there is a harvest of righteousness. And every time there's a harvest, there has to be a feast. Every time there's a harvest, there has to be a feast. I think about Jesus talking about his love and his passion and his desire for the lost. And he talks about the lost coin and he talks about the lost sheep and he talks about the lost son. And, and when, when all of those things are found, when the coin is found, when the sheep is found, when the son is found, all of them require a celebration, a feast. Remember the prodigal son? The one who came and said, give me my inheritance, and he got his inheritance, he went out, he squandered it. He did all sorts of evil, and in the midst of his evil, he decided he was going to return humbly to his father, and when he returned on that road, his father met him and greeted him, wrapped his arms around him, put a, put a robe on him, put a, a ring on his finger, blessed him, and then what did he do? He had to throw a party. He had a big feast. He said, kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party because when the lost is found, there's going to be a feast. And so this is a natural outgrowth for us as we consider the fruit of the Spirit at work in you that is going to produce a harvest of salvation and righteousness. And we have to celebrate. So where do we start? We start with, with, with a feast that is, that is uh, prepared in incredible detail. It's called the Passover. Uh, as, as Zach was reading uh, Exodus, some of you were thinking, uh, uh, this is gross, and, uh, and, and, and the graphicness of the detail can seem a little bit disturbing. But, there, but, but, but the details provide us the context of the power of what is taking place. 
And we can't neglect that power because that power offers revelation for us about how we can understand who the Passover lamb is for us and what what transforming impact that has for our lives and for those around us. So we begin with the Passover, one of the first biblical feasts. And we, we might start with a question that, that can orient us and be sure we're all on the same page here, okay? Uh, I had a confirmation student ask me before, I said, uh, raise your hand, it was like stump the pastor time, like question and answer, like I'm going to like open the forum and they're going to ask me questions and, and, and see if, if I know the answer. They said, I'm a little confused, could you help me in my confusion? Here's the deal, Jesus is the good shepherd and Jesus is also the Lamb of God. How does this make sense? It's a good question. That seems fair. Like, we, we, we love our metaphors in the faith. Like, Jesus talked a lot of metaphor, and, and, and we in the church love our metaphors. And so we, we use a parable and metaphor so often that sometimes they can create some confusion. And so the good shepherd, yes, Jesus is the good shepherd, the one that guides us, the one that protects us, the one that goes after us, the, ones that, the, the, the one that, that we are to follow. They're going to lead us, he's going to lead us to water, he's going to lead us to food. All of this is good and right and true, but Jesus is also the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. Uh, we, we, we hear this described in a couple of ways. The first is a prophetic word from, uh, from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 53, verse 7, when talking about the Messiah, the one that is to come, and, and how that Messiah is to willingly offer his self for the world. Here's what it says, therefore, uh, he says, he was oppressed and afflicted. This is the Messiah. This is Jesus. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was like a lamb led to the slaughter as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. I mean, that, that seems counterintuitive. The lamb that, sh- that is being sheared. What do you expect to hear from a lamb that is being sheared? Yeah. I would have added a little more pain to that. Oh, thank you. Good, good. Okay, good. So, so Zach is, uh, that, was, that was unplanned. Very good. Very good. Awesome. So, um, so, so you would expect to hear something for one that is being sheared. But not just sheared, but also slain. And yet silent. That this, that this, this Messiah that is to come, this one Jesus would go to the cross, would die willingly for our sins, would do so without complaint, uh, without, without outburst or outcry, yet, yet would come and offer himself for us. Isaiah prophesied it, and it came true, that Jesus would willingly sacrifice himself for us. We also hear it in the Gospel of John, chapter, chapter 1, uh, verse 36, this is, this is the moment when, when John the Baptist is, is baptizing out in the wilderness and he's doing all of his weird like locust and honey stuff, and, 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 but he's also baptizing and as he's baptizing, Jesus comes by and here's what he says, he says, when, when, he, when he, that is John, saw Jesus passing by, he said to the crowds, look, the Lamb of God, he goes on to say, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Before Jesus had done anything, before, before, he, before he had gone in, into a ministry of healing and of teaching and, and, of, and of transformative, uh, uh, life-changing salvation, none of that had happened yet. He had not 
yet gone to the cross. He had not yet risen from the dead. And yet, John was the one to call forth and say, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And both of these, Isaiah and John, are pointing us back to one of the first biblical feasts that grounds us in what it means to worship the Lamb of God. There are three things that, that I want us to, to dig into in this Exodus passage that, that, are, that are teachings for us about who Jesus is for us because it is who this lamb is for the people of Israel. But first, some context. I want to be sure we're all on the same page. So in Exodus, at this point, we, we have the people of Israel. They're enslaved in Egypt. They, they make brick for the Pharaoh so that the Pharaoh can build more and more and more and g- gain more power and esteem and prestige. And so here in this space, the people of God are enslaved. And God calls Moses through the burning bush, says, hey, you're going to talk to Pharaoh on my behalf. I'm going to give you words. And when, whenever you do that, I'm going to be with you. And so he goes reluctantly. We'll talk more about that in a few weeks. And, and then when, whenever... Uh, whenever he enters in and he meets with Pharaoh, Pharaoh's heart is hardened over and over again. And so there's plague after plague after plague. You remember the, the plagues on Egypt. And so then they get to this, the final plague. The, the, final, the final way in which God will ultimately release the people of Israel and, and, and lead them into his promised future. And so here we are, this, this teaching comes to us leading up to this, the final plague, and he gives great detailed instruction on how they are to celebrate this feast called the Passover. And so here are the, here are the three things that, that, uh, that, that this Jewish feast teaches us about the lamb that tells us what it is we have to know about Jesus, the Passover lamb. The first is that this lamb will protect you from wrath. This lamb will protect you from wrath. And, and so we, we, we go into the story and we remember that detail that, that, that as, they, as, they, as they slaughter the lamb and prepare the lamb for eating, it's not just for eating, but before the blood of the lamb is, is actually to be taken and wiped on the door frame of their house. Both the side post and the top header of the door frame are to have the blood of the lamb on it. And then the wrath of God is going to come forth across the whole nation And in that time, the whole community is going to experience the pain of loss as as humanity in our own brokenness and evil, oppression and, and injustice deserves. But the wrath of God will be, uh, will, God will protect his people from his own wrath through the sacrifice of the lamb. We could relate to that. Because we could relate to the, to the Egyptian people. If we're honest with ourselves, if we take a moment to step back, we understand that, that we are complicit, if not initiators, of injustice, oppression, and all sorts of evil and malice committed to our brothers and sisters across the world. That is a part of our human condition, our broken, fallen selves, that, that we not only sin against those that are near us, but we, uh, but we are part of greater systems that cause harm to other people. And, and so the natural outcome for our sin, for our brokenness, is judgment and wrath. We deserve judgment and wrath. And yet, 
And yet, through the blood of the Lamb, we are dismissed from that wrath, protected from that wrath. Uh, we, we are able to move forward in our lives knowing that wrath is not ours because the Lamb has taken that wrath on himself. Do you see how Jesus is the Passover Lamb? The blood of the Lamb that saved the Israelite people from wrath now saves us through Jesus' blood offered for you and for me, protecting us from wrath. The second is that, that in, in the Lamb of God, there is freedom from sin. In the Lamb of God, there is freedom from sin. For, for, the, for the people of Israel, the Passover lamb was, was an expression of freedom. I want you to note in the passage where, where it talked about, hey, while you're cooking this meal and while you're eating this meal, here, you're going to actually have your cloak on and your staff in your hand. You're ready for travel. Like, this doesn't seem normal. Normally, whenever you're, like, like kicked back for a super feast, like, you're going to eat, and then at the end of the feast, you're going to kick your shoes off, you're going to sit on the couch, and you're going to watch the Cowboys win. Uh, that's what my Thanksgiving looks like some years. Uh, but no, this is, this is a different picture. When you feast... You're actually to be prepared to travel because you're trusting that this Passover lamb is actually creating liberation for you. Liberation from sin, freedom from sin, so that, so that you have received in Jesus righteousness from God and that that righteousness creates space for you to walk in the way that leads to life. Does that mean that you're no longer going to sin? No. Does that mean that sin has no dominion in you? Yes, sin is not the victor in you. Jesus is, the Lamb of God, has, has offered you freedom from sin. Jesus has freed us from our sin. And then the third and final is this. That, that, that in the Passover Lamb, in Jesus, there is a commission to witness there's a commission to witness. Whenever we jumped forward to verse 24 of Exodus, uh, we, we, we heard that, that, that there is a projection forward. Moses says to the people, hey, go and do this. this is, you heard from the Lord. This is what you're going to do. And here, I, I want you to know that, that when you do this, it's going to be so glorious. And it's going to be fulfilled in this way that you're going to enter into God's promise. And when you enter into God's promised land, you're going to keep doing this. This is now going to be an annual thing. Every year, we're going to celebrate the Passover. And whenever we celebrate the Passover... We're going to meet with family and friends and neighbors, and we're going to share with one another about the impact of the Passover. We're going to, we're going to tell this story from generation to generation so that witnesses will know of the power of the Lord, the power of the Lamb. See, before it even happened, they were commissioned as witnesses. It, it wasn't like, hey, this, is, this, this has happened, now tell others about it. No, no. Hey, know this is happening in our midst right now. And whenever, when, whenever it is fulfilled, this is what you are to do. You're to be my witnesses. And it echoes forward to us in Jesus. That Jesus would commission us as witnesses so that we would tell others, that we would baptize all nations, that we would, we would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That you and I, through our lives, would tell others about the power of the work of the Lamb in us and in others, that we would invite others in so that they could hear the good news of Jesus. 
You see, just as the people of Israel were commissioned to witness, so to you and I are commissioned to witness for him as well. So I have a challenge for you. Whenever you prepare for a feast this season, maybe it's Thanksgiving, maybe it's some other feast. Maybe it's going to be this Thursday at Halloween and you have, you have a Halloween tradition that, that, that involves, a, involves a, a great evening of food and, of, and fellowship and, and candy and uh, disgusting, uh, joyful bags of candy that will leave you bloated and not wanting to go to school the next day. Uh, whatever feast you choose, here's the challenge. I want you to invite someone you normally wouldn't invite to a feast. I mean, picture that feast in your head. Maybe it's Thanksgiving. Let's work with Thanksgiving. Picture Thanksgiving in your head, whatever it looks like for you and your family. And as you picture that, in your head, I want you to picture an empty, an empty chair. Or maybe two or three or four or five empty chairs. And I want you to think about inviting someone into that feast that's not normally present. And when they're there, through your love, through the joy you share with one another, through the feast and fellowship of the believers, you're going to be able to bear witness to the joyful thanksgiving we have for what the Lord is doing in us and through us. You have been commissioned as witnesses to celebrate the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who takes away the sins of the world, who's taken away your sin, who's taken away my sin, and invites us all to bear witness to that over and over again. Let us join together and see what God does in our midst. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we do give you thanks and praise for your word, for the wisdom of your word, and for the gift that it is to to be able to share in the joy uh, of the Passover with one another, this, this great feast that we're called into, that, that, that we now celebrate in our every feast with thanksgiving for your Lamb, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, whose love has come for us and for others, for all of the world. We thank you for that, and we ask that you would invite us to bear witness to that love to those around us. Lord, as we continue in worship and we enter into this time of offering, I ask that you would bless this time of offering, bless the gifts that are given and all uh, that is is done, the work of your spirit that's done through these gifts out in the world. We ask that you would bless, uh, bless the gift and the giver alike. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.